Hey guys, and yeah, finally, finally back in, uh, again, not, not, not studio surroundings if you're watching this on YouTube. Um, but yeah, it is kind of like a bit of a makeshift at the moment. Uh, I've got my beautiful little studio lights up. I'm, I'm trying to get this as best as possible, uh, so that we can have a proper, a proper YouTube and podcast set up. Um, but it is what it is. I've got to deal with this for now. Um. But yeah, it's been three weeks of absence. Uh, I highly apologize. The first couple of weeks, I came down with a bit of bronchitis. Uh, it affected my throat quite a bit. So um, although I knew the audio wasn't going to be up to standard, I just also didn't quite have the energy. I just I was feeling down. It wasn't COVID. <laughs> but um, yeah, we are where we are now. Uh, I've got a lot to discuss with you guys and uh, the first episode coming back I kind of uh, I was stuck in a place between um, you know where where I am in my career and, and my perspective on this whole thing because I've kind of had a bit of mixed feelings as far as um, as far as safaris uh, professional hunting outfitting uh the whole bank shoots concerned and the reason for that is being because i haven't really found the place in the market where everyone kind of benefits but anyway in saying that um i've had an interesting time i've just finished a 14-day safari up in the committee's drift area uh that's just outside of grahamstown in the eastern cape um beautiful and what i've taken from that hunt I've learned so much and it's crazy to think that it needed a hunt like of that magnitude to really hone in and, and refurbish my skills if, to say that. Um, last year I was blessed with, with a couple of um, scenarios where, you know, I said it in my post and, and I, I'm not ashamed to say it now. I sort of, I'll be the first one to admit it that I sort of became like this, uh, meat factory ph and it's quite a it's quite a harsh term to to use but it if you look at it from a perspective that that's kind of what it really is and um i'll never forget a good mate of mine on hunting the one concession that we're hunting together he just said to me he said you gotta hunt the properties for what they are and yes it kind of boiled down to to me really looking that and when he said that it made instant sense and what he meant by it was that, you know, you could drive around a couple of properties, no matter the acreage, um, spot a couple of different herds of animals and really just go up and, and kind of like pick your, pick your choose, you know. And for me, it was, it was kind of like a bittersweet moment because I had been blinded by the fact that, you know, your you 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 kind of take these opportunities as they come and we were rushing into a lot of things and instead i didn't really focus on the clients and i didn't focus on giving those particular clients the experiences because it's not that they don't know it's just you've been in those scenarios thousands and thousands and thousands of different times and you kind of know how to handle the situation you know where to go and walk uh, what rock to climb up on <coughs> excuse me um, so for me, I lost that, that connection with, with 
the walk and stalk feel because I kind of knew every, it was kind of like a chess game. You kind of knew every single step you were going to take um, to get into those positions for a comfortable shot um, on a specific species or whatever the case may be. So for me to, to go out of that comfort zone and really be put into a situation where I needed to hone in on some of the skills that I've developed was something very, very special. And just going back to, to what I was saying is that as professional hunters, we, we kind of rush into these whole things. So, you know, just get the walking stalk out of the way, get the clients up onto that specific rock that you've shot off of a thousand different times, get him the blue wildebeest, load it on the track, go to the next spot. Okay, we see this is where the blessed back are. Do the same scenario. Okay, okay, I'm going to climb up onto this hill. So, and that's what I meant by me factory. Um, I was used to the fact that we we were so good and so um, understanding of what we were doing and, and where we were doing it, of our environment and all that sort of stuff, because we've been in those situations for so long that we kind of took away from the experience of, of this specific hunter. And although you were shooting good quality animals, you were loading a bucket full of animals, getting up there, and they weren't really having the opportunity to really appreciate um, what goes in behind that sort of thing. And they don't understand. And I'm not saying, you know, when, when I say these things, it's not like I'm talking down on anyone. It's just, <coughs> sorry guys, my, my throat's still a bit dry. The weather, the weather's turned for, for worst. Yeah, we've had a bit of ghastly days. So the dust and stuff's just got me a bit of a throat irritation. So just excuse me if I am coughing on Mark and stuff. Um, yeah, so, you know, it kind of takes away from that experience. And, and when I say these sort of things, I don't mean to talk down on the clients, not at all. It's just we've been putting those specific situations so many times before that we kind of take away from you know, the full experience of having a blue wildebeest hunt. I mean, I hunted a blue wildebeest. I've hunted hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of blue wildebeest. I hunted a blue wildebeest now in a black wattle forest. Um, and I say black wattle forest because the property wasn't massive, but where they were situated was in this this wattle forest. And it was it was hectic. It was crazy because you, you weaving in and out, it kind of... Uh, it reminded me of like a North African hunt for buffalo or something like that. You're just weaving in and out. The branches are cutting your jackets. I mean, they're smacking you in the faces and stuff. And all you kind of seeing are glimpses of these wildebeest because the wind's twirling inside there. Anyway, cut a long story short. Um, <clears throat> you kind of have to hone in on your skills. Uh, and I was using everything. I was using smell. Um, I was using feel, I was using situations, which was pretty cool for me because although I knew I kind of had it in the back of my head, I needed to prove to myself that I still had it, you know. So it was it was beautiful. It was a really special way of hunting them. Um, you know, you're turning your scope right down to three power uh, just for those close quarter shots. So, um, yeah, it was interesting. And, and, and that's what I say. And, and when I said meat factory... Um, pH is it is what it is and that's exactly what it is I got used to the fact of myself loading half your client's package on the first morning because you you knew the sort of situation scenarios you would be you were putting yourself into 
And I realized there and then that it kind of took away from the whole experience um, on specific animals. For instance, the blue wildebeest, it should be a lot harder than what we were doing. But because we were in those situations and we knew every step we were going to take to hunt those blue wildebeest, it kind of took away from that, that difficult experience. So when you, do, when you did get to shoot a really, really nice animal, a really nice bull, um, the client didn't fully appreciate or didn't fully understand what he had just done. Um, so for us, it's, that's what it is. Um, I've always said in my career that more is, is not better. Um, you know, you, you want to, you want to share an experience and you don't want to take away from anything that, you know, the animal deserves. And, and that's what I've tried. So for instance, we get into the community drift area and it's thick there, guys, it's extremely thick. There's beautiful, um, speck bone trees. Um, so it's it's just it's just an outstanding place to hunt it's it's frustrating as hell uh, so we get in there i i can see the terrain it's it's thick it's 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 what i enjoy um yeah i don't know what's going on with me today it must be the weather um it's what i enjoy but as well it really like it affords you that opportunity that you need to really look at yourself and say, okay, guys, listen, this is this is how we're going to do it. This is what we need to do. These are skills that we need to use here. So, for instance, on the kudu, um, it became a frustrating chess game. And when I got there, obviously, my first idea is to grab one of the guys that are from the area, drive around the property, get a couple of vantage points. And and from my previous experiences, you can kind of understand where um you know where your your next move's gonna come from or or, or what animal you perceive that's gonna have, you know, come out in those sort of areas and stuff. So for me that's what it was all about. And yeah, I got into this position where, you know, I it almost looked too good to be true that the kudu should be coming out, and they did. But it was to try and close that distance, you know, from, from about 450 to 300 yards. It was trying to, to close that distance was challenging, especially for somebody that ha that doesn't understand the area. So, for instance, you're taking your client. I mean, it's like you're walking on eggshells egg all the time. Um, you're really just trying to get into position where he can be comfortable with taking the shot, but it's to close that distance. That's the challenge, you know? So for instance, we, we saw a couple of kudu each and every single day. Um, nice, beautiful bulls. The gentlemen that we're hunting on, um, the Webers, they've done an incredible job in, um, managing their kudu genetics to be, I would say, probably some of the best in the Eastern Cape. Um, so yeah, got got us to that point where we were like, okay, you know what, we've had a couple of opportunities, we've seen a couple of bulls, and now it's time to <laughs> pull out all the stuff. So on that day, we saw this, we saw two bulls chasing females. Um, the one younger bull, look, on other opportunities, last day, Kuru hunt, I probably would have taken that bull. He just he just wasn't mature enough. 
Um, he kind of had the full figure eight turn, but he was one of those bulls that were going to go and point forward and, and kind of flare out. Um, he's a really, really nice bull. I would definitely give him another season. Um, so he was chasing the females and then this other bull, uh, if you guys have seen it on my Instagram, I think he, I think it was like 49 and something inches or 50 inches, uh, steps out and sort of like, uh, was, let me just see what's going on here. Sorry, guys. Yeah, my throat just uh, kind of got away from me there. Um, <laughs> it's a bit scratchy at the moment. So yeah, like I said, we've had a we've had a couple of uh, windy days, so the dust um, has kind of enhanced all my um, my senses. <clears throat> yeah. So so kind of this this big bull sort of like was like a satellite bull as far as I understand what the elk side of things were um and he was just hovering around you know trying to get his opportunity obviously well past his prime I don't know if you guys saw the pictures on the Instagram where um there was just no teeth left whatsoever so yeah it was it was something special as soon as he stepped out I knew that was our bull um we had been chasing him for I mean we had seen him in the area for a couple of times um, he was always there, thereabouts, but wasn't kind of joining the herd. Um, and his neck wasn't as swollen. So that was the first telltale sign for me that he was kind of like a deteriorating bull. Um, and then as well as towards the rear end, I, I kind of picked up on his hip bone. So for me, that was a perfect opportunity to try and get in close. Um, he made the fatal mistake of uh, stepping away from the females. Uh, the younger bull wasn't putting too much pressure on him. I think he had realized, um, so he made the fatal mistake, kind of like swifted off um, to the left-hand side of us. So if we were glassing down uh, the creek, <clears throat> he was swifting off to the left. And uh, I kind of told the clients and my tracker, I said, come, we need, we need to get into position quickly. We was about, at that stage, it was 420 yards. I said, if we can close the distance by another 200 yards, we'll we'll be good. And now it's not steep. It wasn't a steep creek. It was actually kind of flat. But um, we used the, the shoulder heart um, shrubs to kind of make our way across. So as he was moving and feeding, we were also swifting across uh, pretty slowly. And, uh, you know, we were just trying to maneuver twigs, kind of just watch every step um, as we put our feet down because... On that on that hillside there's like shale like this black black shell um gets quite tricky underfoot so anyway we we creep along we get up into about 150 yards from from the bull he doesn't present us with a shot but we can see him still grazing and uh we just waited 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 came out um and he gave us full shoulder and he didn't know we were there or anything so the client pulled the trigger and and <laughs> i'm sure everyone everyone that's hunted uh gray ghosts in south africa would have kudu fever and my, the the gentleman at the time shame I, I 
it's 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 a it's a beautiful thing to witness because it it kind of knows you know it adds to that respect of that animal the 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 magnitude of that specific animal <clears throat> so yeah i just uh the moment just got there and uh, i just saw the shooting stick shake and I, I was holding trying to have a support so he would put his elbow in my elbow and uh just pulled the shot completely missed um but with that the kuru didn't realize where we were and where we were coming from so he kind of twisted like 180 degrees and kind of started making his way towards us and not running or anything just just literally walking and at that stage the the females had obviously ran off and he just came closer and closer and closer until about 70 yards he i think he kind of got a glimpse of us and knew what we were turn broadside and eventually we didn't have much time but um my client put a beautiful shot in on the shoulder he didn't run 20 yards and it was it was done so yeah that but that was the experience that i was kind of trying to you know explain to people is that that's the skills that i've developed and i needed to hone in on and i kind of took those things for granted because like where we were hunting it's <clears throat> you knew every move you were going to make take yourself out of the comfort zone put yourself into difficult situations and you you've got to entrust in the skills that you've developed over so many years to try and close those distances so it is what it is it was a beautiful hunt at the end of the day magnificent kudu um, really part of the conservation program that i've i've tried to develop in myself is to try and understand the best possible animals i can take at that time it's got nothing to do with size everything to do with age and conservation so once I harvested that bull or shot that bull, I knew that we were kind of in the right track. And then, um, and the safari went on. We had some wonderful opportunities, like I, like I mentioned, on blue and black wildebeest. Um, shot a stunning impala. And then uh, the Inyala, to end everything off, the weather was, was miserable. Uh, ra a lot of rain. It wasn't cold, so there was a lot of rain, but... In the committee's drift area it's 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 quite warmer climate so once we got down there um to a place where i figured that there would be a lot of movement um specifically from kuru and yala bushback would tend to sit tight um we we set up and we just waited spotted a couple of females uh, making their move and then we we saw a nice male um beautiful ivory tips but uh we kind of just waited out and lo and behold right underneath us we were sitting on like a little crance looking down into a creek area um similar situation to the kudu but a much steeper creek uh, we were shooting down and um right here in front of us 50 50 something yards this beautiful inyala bull just steps out and he just had the shape, he had the bell, he had the shape, he had the flare, he had the ivory. Um, he was with one female, so I kind of judged. And when they sort of get like this, I call it a bulldog face on them. Uh, on the front, they kind of get like characteristic swollen eyebrows. Um, nice deep rings around their eyes. 
um, a few wrinkles on their face just just to indicate that it's a nice mature bull and um, had a good look at him and we knew that was the one we needed to take and um, yeah without without hesitation the shot went a little bit far back but <clears throat> fortunately with the dog that's become one of my best tools in that area has been my dog Kelly uh, she's she's been absolutely exceptional I mean with the water back she pushed him straight into the dam where we were because it was a very far back shot um, in the stomach um, pushed him into the dam we managed to get a second shot in because in that area it's just so thick there I mean you could literally if that water back had died tomorrow you would have walked straight past him and not even known he was there. So, yeah, <clears throat> um, brilliant setup, brilliant. Um, but getting back to my point is that, you know, we shared that experience with the clients. Although it was a very special experience for me, I shared that with my client. And it's something I never wanted to take away from uh those specific animals those those magnificent animals uh, they really are i mean hunting kudu in the eastern cape is something that should be on everyone's bucket list as far as safaris are concerned and um to have that experience um obviously not missing the first shot but the rest of it to have that experience is something very very special so yeah it was it was a wonderful situation wonderful setup and like i said a kind of <coughs> it kind of got me out of my comfort zone into a point where I believed that I had accumulated enough knowledge and and understanding of the environment over the years, which led to that success. So I'm very, very happy with how things turned out. And then, yeah, like I said, just getting back to the point is that, guys, when everyone comes out to South Africa, it's not about the number of animals that you kill. There's a market for that. There are people that enjoy that and there are people that do that. And I really, I've got to respect that sort of that sort of side of the industry. It's, it's not probably the prettiest side of the industry, but you've got to respect it because it is, that's what brings the dollars in at the end of the day. And like I said, no matter what form of hunting you are doing, it is contributing massively to conservation of our magnificent wildlife so for me it's not about whether it's right or wrong it's just about understanding what kind of clientele that you're dealing with at that specific moment as well as how you are as an individual hunter how, how would you want to go out there and share those sort of moments with people do you just want to shoot load up pack out head up and uh, that's it or or do you really want to embrace people into the whole environment for me that's what i want to do i mean i don't want to just go over to north america um one of my bucket list animals is a bugling elk in archery season and i don't want to just go out and smash him on the first day and you know that's it and uh, you know really walk up to him five yards away from him put an arrow in it i know there's opportunities that will come up like that and there are guy hunters that have had those really rare opportunities but in saying that you know you you want to have the full experience you want to hone in i want to hear people call him in uh, i want to understand why he's moving that way 
and really just dive deep into the whole scenario and that's what i think a lot of people and a lot of hunters want to do when they come out to south africa especially on certain species like the kudu like the inyala for me it's the bushbuck as well um so yeah guys just really just take a moment to really understand and take a step back and understand that there's a lot of clients out there that aren't just meat factory clients they don't just want to load buckies full of animals head back to the lodge drop them off and be like oh i shot 20 something animals you know today there are guys out there that are that are happy to shoot one or two every second day as long as they're enjoying the experience and and that's become the big part you know you don't have to have to harvest animals every single day on a safari and a lot of people put pressure on themselves if they don't so it's it's a it's a tricky situation and i'm trying to i'm trying to figure out the right wording for it because i don't want to offend anyone because like i said earlier there's there is there is space in the industry for those those kind of hunters for those kind of outfitters as well but for me i prefer to really indulge in the experience and indulge in the in the opportunities that have presented themselves at those particular times hunting new properties um and yeah just refreshing the skills you know so um yeah if you're watching this sorry excuse me just turning around i'm just trying to get time on this because i don't think this is going to be a long podcast episode but it's good to be back um i just want to say a very big thank you to everybody that's followed me um the last couple of months haven't been easy um but yeah we're definitely working on some some really exciting things uh i start another hunt at the end of of this month so i'm going to try and generate as many podcasts as possible um and then for in the first three weeks of july unfortunately i'll be completely out of action i won't have any social media i won't have any uh podcasting any youtube videos um so yeah we just stay tuned for that round because as soon as i get back i'll be flat out into it again we've got some exciting episodes coming up i'm so excited about it we've been working really really hard on trying to um you know work on my my youtube episodes and stuff we've got a lot of content that's just waiting we're doing a couple of edits voiceovers that sort of stuff so yeah if you haven't yet and you're on this watching this through youtube hit the subscribe button turn on the notifications and then um yeah and if you enjoyed this episode drop a thumbs up for those of you that are listening on all the other platforms guys i'll try and generate as much content as possible i just want to say a very big thank you to everybody that has supported me thus far it's been one hell of a journey and i've been so blessed so blessed along the way and i just can't do it without you guys uh, thank you for all the words of encouragement and uh, to keep going um advertising slots are open again so if you guys would like to advertise on the podcast or if you know anyone or if you recommend anyone as far as being a guest on the podcast it will be highly appreciated as well as just start any sort of discussions on any one of my social media platforms so with that all being said from myself if you are happy hunting stay safe stay blessed and stay humble we'll catch up with you guys soon cheers